Good morning. Merry Christmas to all of you. It's an amazing privilege to be able to uh, not just gather as individual families, but as a church family on a Christmas morning to celebrate Jesus' coming. We're going to celebrate it in a similar way that we celebrated Christmas Eve last night. Uh, my name's Dan, one of the pastors, and Pastor Ben last night looked at the shepherds and told a first-person story about what it was like for them to come to worship Jesus. And this morning, I'm going to share with you about another group of people who came to worship Jesus by telling you a bit of a story also. So if you want to just tune in, sit down, get comfortable, imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago. The last thing that I expected happened to me that day. I'm a Babylonian camel dealer. Now, you may, you may think that's not much of a profession, but the camel was the Mercedes-Benz of the ancient world. And I was good at it. In fact, I was so good at, with these camels that I became kind of friends with them. I was known as the camel whisperer. Again, it's hard for you to believe it, but I was good at it. My favorite two camels, I like to call them sit a lot and spit a lot. Incredible camels. Incredible camels. Their knees, you should see the knees on these babies. Incredible. Well, sit a lot and spit a lot were there with me, and uh, at the gates of Babylon, the sun was seeking in the west. Beads of sweat were running down my head, and my favorite camels, again, sit a lot and spit a lot were sitting there and spitting there, and uh, I was ready to go home for the day. When the most ornately dressed group of men showed up, they came up to me. And I'd seen them before in the libraries and the temples of that great city, Babylon, but they, uh, they always went quietly about their business, seeking wisdom, giving wisdom, seeking truth, trying to speak truth, and they always dressed with a little extra beads and a little finer cloth than most. But the wealth that they clearly had didn't change this, this kind of look in their eyes. And they had a look that said that they were still looking. They were still seeking. Searching for something or someone that was worth more than all their wealth. And as they approached that day, uh, they, they, I, I quickly you know, sw- wiped my head to, kind of look, make it look like I was working real hard, and I moved one bit of rope from the back of my money box to the front of my box, trying to look like really a busy, busy businessman. And uh, as they walked up to me, I slowly lifted my eyes as they stared down at me, and, and they asked me the question, are you the camel dealer that has dealings with Josiah, the son of Amuran, the silk trader? I said, yes, yes, he's my cousin. Josiah, I give him camels to go further east into Persia every couple of months. He's very pleased with my services. Good. The tallest of the Magi, we called them Magi because they were kind of a mixture of of wise, good people and a mixture of magician. So this Magi, one of the tallest of the group, he uh, had darker skin and immediately he turned to me and he said, we will have 100 a caravan of 100 camels ready by the end of the week. If you're ready in half of that time, I will pay you twice as much. Twice as much? Now, I was a businessman, and I knew a deal when I saw one. 
I said, you're saying to me, you'll pay me 1,000, 1,000 tetradrachma if I have the camels ready in three days. Yes. Where in Persia are you going to be traveling? And the tall man with the clear eyes, he answered me. He said, we will be leaving Persia to go to the ancient city of David, Jerusalem. Now, when he said this, two things happened to me. There was both excitement and fear. Excitement because Jerusalem was the city of my ancestors. It was a city that generations ago during the dark Babylonian captivity that my ancestors had been brought to Babylon. Babylon was home now, but uh, I had never seen Jerusalem, and I thought that I never would. But the fact that one of my own camels would actually see the city of David before I saw the city of David kind of irked me a bit. But it's a long journey. But there's also this mixture of fear I felt right then. I, I'd heard about the ruthless suppression of the Roman government in that area and of the current king. They called him Herod the Great. I think he called him Herod the Great. They Herod the Great, and I'd, I'd heard about what was going on, and I knew that foreign travel in those parts would not go unnoticed. And there could be problems. And then in my excitement, which won out over my fear, I blurted out a word that would change the course of my life forever. Jerusalem? Jerusalem? Jerusalem, that's the city of my ancestors. I have an uncle who once visited the city of David, and he used to describe to us the entire journey, late at night around the cooking fires. My camels would be honored to go to Jerusalem. But it is a four-month journey, and it will cost you. And one of the shorter of the group simply said, we know, we know. My name is Azariah. And I will be dealing directly with you with the finances. But uh, seeing that you know the way to Jerusalem, we would like you to travel with us. Me? Travel with you? I, I cannot just leave Babylon. I, I, my business, my family, I'm a man of great importance. And my business prowess does not just, you know, leave his post. I cannot and I, I will not. My, my uncle, whom I mentioned to you, He's a little older than me. I will hire him to travel with you. Azariah, again, the shorter, plumper of the bunch, he uh, quickly shot back, no, you will join us. What is your price? Well, I think twice the going rate. Now I was pleased with myself because I knew that they would never accept twice the going rate for eight months. But he said, agreed, agreed. We'll write up the contract right now, and we'll pay you the first half today. I found myself overwhelmed at what was happening. So much was being asked that I had actually forgot to ask about why they were traveling to Jerusalem. I learned about that about a week into our journey up the Euphrates River. That day it was one of the hottest that we had faced yet. The birds were silent. 
because it seemed like they were panting. The hills blurred into one long ridge that seemed to weave on and on. And, and so when night came and the camels were settled down, I settled down and slept too. But late that night, I was awakened by someone who would walk through the half-clean dishes. And they made such a noise that half the camp started laughing. These men were so happy about everything that was going on that even being woken up in the middle of the night, they seemed thrilled. And then the Magi, I heard them beginning to talk with one another. I could tell by the stars, the constellations, that it was getting late. And it was late into the night already. And I, saw, I heard one of them say, there it is. There it is on the horizon. They're pointing at the, the lion and the virgin. You call it Virgo and Leo. And they said, look at that right there. They were, so they were following the direction of some, some stars that were moving. We, we, you call them planets today. But they said, look at those stars. There they are again. They said, doubtless, and I'm listening into this conversation. They said, doubtless, this means that the king of Israel has come, that the lion of Judah has been born. And as they spoke, I I sat up. I was both excited and a little confused. Again, I didn't know why we were going, where we were going. I woke up to your conversation, I said to them. "Uh, You said you're looking for the king of Israel? Aren't we just going to trade in Jerusalem? Or, Or did you bring all of these things for King Herod? These goods of gold and myrrh and frankincense. I, I don't mean to interrupt what your conversation is right now, but why are we going on this trip if not for trade? Azariah answered again in a deep voice as though he was letting me in on a great secret that he hadn't shared with many people. He said, we are looking for the king of Israel, but it is not Herod. The king that Daniel one of the greatest of the Magi wrote about. The Daniel who served King Nebuchadnezzar, the great of Babylon. He spoke about this king. Daniel, he was a Jew like me. But why are you looking at all the stars? Well, Daniel showed us that the signs that we had honored for generations and that we'd worshipped in the stars were really pointing to a king. And that when the day would come, he made his promise generations ago that when the day would come, when the king came, that we would go and visit that king and bring the greatest gifts and wealth that we could sacrifice. As I sat, I remembered stories that my own grandfather had taught me from the book. And I answered fairly quickly. I said, the people of Israel are not people of the stars, but people of the book. But the book does talk about the stars. As I answered, I I realized that these magi were looking for the very thing that my people Israel had been looking for for ages. The coming of God's rightful king. The one who would be both just and merciful. The one who would be divinely wise but humanly reachable. They were looking for him. And I, I saw this glimmer in their eyes. And then Arioch, one of the tallest, asked me this question. He said, do you know where he is to be born? And what place do the prophets say that the greatest of all kings will be born? As a man of the book, surely you know. As a man of the book, 
I am certain that it does say something somewhere about where, but, uh, but where it says where, I don't know where. I thought if I answered in a riddle, he would leave me alone. But the truth is, I had no idea. For the rest of our trip, mountain pass would pass mountain pass, and valley would lead to valley. And four months of walking, 900 miles, I would be asked repeatedly if I could recall something clearer from the prophets or the law or the Psalms that spoke about the ruler of the nations and where he would be born. But I would always have to admit how ignorant I was. I would always have to answer them Again, little by little realizing that I was less of a man of the book than I thought that I was. But I assured them that there were scribes in Jerusalem, the best in the world, who knew the scrolls. And when they came to Jerusalem, they could ask, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And they would have an answer for him. And it was then the afternoon of the 131st day of our travels that that answer finally came. I'd been counting the days. 131 days. And when we reached the gates of Jerusalem, my camels were still going strong. Spit a lot, sit a lot, had not been sitting a lot. And had not been spitting a lot. We were all tired, but we were excited. My camels... We're leading the, the, right in the very front of this caravan. They were, they were leading the way into the holy city. And as everyone was coming in to the gates of the caravan, there was such movement, such activity. Everyone was trying to sell their wares to us at the gate. Everyone was excited. One person offered refreshments at a price. One long-bearded man who, uh, who raised his voice said, We'll offer you lodging for the night. Come to our place. We'll show you where you can stay. One person said, we have the best pomegranates in all of Jerusalem. Come by here. And then all of a sudden, Azariah, the first to speak and the last to shut up, raised his voice. He wanted everyone to know that we were not there to trade or sell. We had gotten to Jerusalem. And he said, we are not here to trade or sell. We're looking for something else. He raised his voice with a shout. He put it like this. He said, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed his star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We are on pilgrimage to worship him. The moment this was asked, the air seemed to tighten in everyone's lungs. A look of fear, of concern, spread across everyone's faces. The excitement gave way to this strange dread. No one answered with the word, but everyone answered by quietly and quickly going about their work. Azariah turned to me. What is wrong with your people? Why the change of face? So excited about business, but not excited about their king? I whispered in hushed tones, Herod, the, uh, the current king, is extremely jealous of any rival king. They're afraid of who will be killed tonight because of your question today. 
Azariah asked more. He asked me, tell me more. And in whispered tones, I said, well, Herod has ruled this province for 40 years. Almost 40 years. His first act of being king is that he purged Jerusalem of the 70 leading religious rulers. Since then, he has put to death brother-in-law, sister-in-law, his wife, three of his own offspring, all for the fear that they might undermine his position. You may have heard the saying that Caesar Augustus once joked about. He said, it's safer to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. Azariah frowned and he whispered back, if half of what we read in the stars and the prophets is true about the coming king, all of Jerusalem should be rejoicing. And he raised his voice at this, but everyone turned their heads away from him. Rumor of uh, my coming, of our coming, spread quickly. Quicker than our long caravan could move. And by the time we reached the edge of the Temple Mount, Azariah asked for an audience with some of the scribes, but there was not a scribe to be found. I remember the question then coming to me. I had been promising them scribes for hundreds of miles. And the question then came to me. You said that there would be scribes who would know where the king would be born. Where are they? There, there, there are scribes in Jerusalem, but it, but it seems that they are all gone. While we stood there a moment wondering about what to do, a messenger from Herod suddenly appeared. Apparently, Herod had beat us to the scribes, and he wanted uh, the entire caravan to appear before him. The rumor was that he was terrified. No wonder Jerusalem was afraid with a king like this. Herod had, uh, had lost no time, and he gathered all the high priests and the scribes, and he, he wanted them to ask them the very question that we had asked at the gate. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And so we were swept off to this secret meeting. Not to see a scribe, but to see Herod. And when we entered the palace, Herod looked pleased, but he, he also looked subtly displeased. A kind of smile, smile, frown. Smile, smile, trembling lip. He put on a good show and he pretended to be as a devout as our entire caravan. He asked about the exact timing of the birth announcement star and when it had appeared. And Azariah, again, always to speak first, he answered, it was within the year. He would not answer him more. Herod seemed pleased and then he he told us the answer to our question. The king is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. I'll read you it in a scroll. It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the ruler who will shepherd rule my people. My Israel. Now the moment the Magi heard this, they turned to leave. And then Herod added, go and find this child for me. 
Leave no stone unturned. And as soon as you find him, send word, and I will join you at once in worshiping him. Now we left this King Herod quickly because there was another better king. The best of kings had all of our attention. As we walked, we began to say, we know where the real king is at. And the walk to Bethlehem, only five miles, passed so quickly after those hundreds of miles we had already walked. As we were leaving the the gates of Jerusalem, every eye was watching us. And one of the tallest of the Magi asked the question, why is it that no one in Jerusalem is joining us now? If the scribes know where he is to be born, why haven't they walked the five miles? Why is it that Herod would not come and honor him with us right now? We all silently ponder these questions as we quickly and breathlessly pressed on towards Bethlehem. It was already evening, and as we set out, the stars began to appear again, the same star that we had first seen in the eastern sky. It led us until it seemed to hover over Bethlehem. We could hardly contain ourselves. After hundreds of miles, we were in the right place. Whatever Herod in Jerusalem thought, we had arrived at the right place. We saw some some of the shepherds on the edge of town, and we asked them about the birth of the king, and their eyes lit up. We, we, We know who you are talking about. A few months ago, Back, we also were looking for him. We'll show you where the child is at. And then an older shepherd with a limp led us to this small stone cottage. He was trembling the entire time. Without even knocking, we entered the house. And we saw this child in this woman's arms. Her name was Mary, we learned. And we were so overcome. Tears were flowing from all of our eyes. We trembled. We knelt. We bowed. And we worshipped him. And for some time, not a word was spoken in all of that wonder. So much had been spoken about this child. And now we were all like babies before this baby. What can be said when the Savior, the King, is right before you? And so each one of us, without a word, opened our luggage and we presented the finest that we had brought. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Gifts fit for a king because he was the king. And as we adored him, As we honored him with all the joy that we had anticipated, it crept into our hearts and it made its home inside of us. And though there were so many, I began to wonder, though there were so many who had come with us on this caravan, I began to wonder why there were so few who had joined us. The scribes seemed to ignore him. Herod abhorred him. But these wise men adored him. And I began to wonder if people would treasure him the way that he was worth being treasured. 
or if people would treat him the way that Herod would treat him that night. Lord, I pray in your name that you would allow each one of our hearts to be searched by your spirit right now. To ask the honest question if we are ignoring you, if we are abhorring you and rejecting you, or if we are coming, adoring you. Lord Almighty, we praise you. That he who was born a king of the Jews is the king of the nations. And that the king of the nations would become the crushed servant at the cross. Help us, Lord, today, this Christmas morning, to honor your great name with all the treasures we have. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.